Welcome to the Granary Church podcast. We're happy you could join us. For more information on the Granary Church, head to granary.org.au or follow our socials at the Granary Church. A very good morning to you. Uh, thank you. It's, it's wonderful to be here. Really wonderful. I, lo- I love this church. Whenever I hear its name, I have a warm feeling in my heart. I do. I really love this church. And uh, um, it's just great to be back with you. Thank you so much for the invitation. Um, you, you, you realize you've got some of the best leadership, um, uh, well, certainly in this country, but actually um, probably many countries. I don't know if you know that. Um, seriously, you have. Um, so, yeah, God must love you lot a lot, which is fantastic. And it's great to be here with Rick and Sue Prosser and... Uh, I've got a huge, huge respect for them, but please don't tell them that. Um, <laughs> no, I've told them that. And uh, Ian, who's uh, just a great mate of mine. So it's fantastic to be here. Um, I, I wonder how you view life. Um, I wonder what prism or glasses you wear when you think about life. People have a way of living life, don't they? They uh, have a set of principles, values or whatever. Um, for some people, life is about happiness, isn't it? It's it's about, uh, I'll make a decision based on my happiness. So if it's, and if, if it goes wrong and it doesn't make me happy, then I'll change the decision. Um, some people do relationships that way, don't they? Um, they kind of commit in until it makes them happy and then it makes them unhappy and then they ditch the relationship. So that's one way people view life. Other people view life. Um, it's about security, actually. It's about holding, um, you know, protecting yourself, making secure decisions. A lot of people do this financially, of course. So that so life is about um, getting as good a job as you can, getting as good a pension as you can, and then enjoying it. Um, well, that's depending on how long you live, of course. Um, so, you know, is that about security or not? Um, for some people, it's about family. I, I've got a, um, friends of ours, and their life's just simply about family, their family. No one else's family, but their family. And their family has to meet a lot, seriously a lot. And it's a good thing in that. That's not a bad thing, but it, it kind of becomes a bit idolatrous, actually. Jesus was constantly undermining that in, in his day, interestingly. Um, so for some people, life's about work. Um, uh, you may know somebody like that. You may be sitting, to, sitting next to somebody like that. Um, but somehow it is about work. It's about work and work. And that's a good thing because God gave us work, and that's, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. But, but if your life is about it, um, what happens when you don't have it? Yeah, redundancy or you know, even retirement. Like to somebody whose life is about work, retirement is, is, um, is like a nightmare. So um, for some people, life is just about fun, simply fun. You know, I've, I've got some uh, young people, friends of mine, who just, just love having fun. Uh, one, one of them just loves flinging himself off cliffs. I don't call that fun, um, but he does, and, uh, and he's constantly that thrill kind of seeker. Um, uh, and that's, you know, whatever, I wouldn't do it. But uh, then so some people, life is about, life is dangerous. Life is dangerous for some people. So, so you've got to be very careful how you negotiate it. And, and leading to that life is survival then, isn't it? Um, and uh, we, we live and minister in a in a very poor area in our city. And for a lot of people around us, life is simply about survival, literally about survival. Because um, you never know what tsunami is about to hit you again and again and again. Um, and with the cost of living crisis now in our country, um, 
a tsunami of, uh, of anxiety and fear is about to hit a number, well, vast swathes of our country, actually, um, who are already just about surviving, but now they're going to go under the water. Um, so life can be like that. And uh, perhaps, you know, for a lot of people, it is. Um, I think probably the, the two strongest images of what life is about, one is love. I think that's pretty strong. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. So I think love is, is, is one of the, well, it is probably the primary way you should view life, actually. Um, and linked to that um, is another strong image, and that is the image of, of journey and pilgrimage. Um, you know, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage, it, um, it says in the Psalms. Those who are journeying with God. So that adventure with God, perhaps, is another way to put it. Uh, you know, it says, uh, you know, son of man, what, what is required of you to walk humbly with your God, to love mercy and, and so on, but to walk humbly with your God. And so that walking, that, that process of walking with God. Um, the verse of scripture I'd love to, to read to you today is from Joshua chapter one, which is about a journey. And uh, Joshua chapter 1 says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the river Jordan into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Again, be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right, to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. This is a moment in a journey, of course, and uh, it's a big moment in the life of Israel. It's a big moment in the life of this man. This is a crossing over moment, a, a time of decision. Some philosophers call this a liminal moment, a liminal space, a, a space that is between one set of being and another set of being. It's like going from one room to another room. Um, it's like going through an airport. An airport's a liminal space, isn't it? Because uh, you're neither where you were and you're neither where you're going to be, but somehow you're in this liminal space. You don't want to stay in an airport. Well, you can if you want to, I suppose, but, but you want to pass through an airport. So it's a liminal space. Um, artists actually talk about liminality as a, uh, a way of discovering creativity because often an artist will get to a certain point with a painting or a sculpture where they just don't know what to do. And they get to it and they just don't know what to do. And it's called the liminal moment. And it's quite scary for an artist. And some artists just put the painting or the sculpture away for 10 years and then come back to it. But others press through and they go through to the other side, you see. So it's a kind of a, a we all get those times in life, don't we? We get those times in life. They are the, the experience of neither being where we're going or where we were, but these, it's the moment. And this is a liminal moment for the life of Israel because the trouble is it's another liminal moment because they'd already had one 40 years ago. They've been taken from 
the slavery of Egypt into freedom. They're taken through the wilderness onto the banks of the River Jordan. They send out the 10 spies. Two of them come back, including Joshua, and say, what a place. It is wonderful. We've got to go through that door. And then eight of them come back and say, you have not seen the size of these people. Seriously, whatever you do, don't go through that door. Um, so they didn't. And they blew it. And they decided that uh, they were neither going to go forward. So in a sense, perhaps the wilderness is the biggest liminal moment, actually. That moment of, of testing, that moment of neither being where you were, but neither being where you're going to be, but somehow you're in the wilderness. Um, for Jesus, perhaps, that was a liminal moment after he was baptised, where everything got sorted in the desert. Now, this bunch of people, of course, uh, just went around the desert in circles for some 40 years. They were um, a difficult bunch of people. You would not want to spend 40 years with this bunch of people. They were stiff-necked, they were grumpy, and they were seriously fed up with manna. Because there's only... There's only so much manna you can eat, and there's only so many things you can do with manna. So from burgers to stir fry to whatever it is. But, you know, you, kids would say, what's for tea, mum? <laughs> manna. <laughs> and they were stiff-necked. And they were alive, but they weren't living, were they? They weren't where they were meant to be. They were existing, but they weren't really moving. And then Moses dies, and God draws a line again and says, this is your moment, takes them to exactly the same place 40 years later. That's grace, though, isn't it? God always, you know, there's always a second, third, fourth, fifth chance. Um, beautiful grace. They didn't deserve it. But this grace again comes. And the spotlight comes now just not only to the people, but actually to one person. And the call comes to Joshua, get up, get ready, put your best foot forward, cross over. Cross over now. This is it. This is the moment. There's a, a poet, a, a Catholic um, priest actually called John O'Donoghue, who's passed away now, but um, written some beautiful, beautiful poetry. If you ever get hold of anything, um, it's uh, well worth it. Um, he wrote these words at the end of a poem. May I have the courage today to live the life that I would love, to postpone my dream no longer, but do at last what I came here for and waste my heart on fear no more. Powerful, isn't it? Yeah, it is a great poem. And that, that's been to us, actually, one of those compasses in life, you know? Every now and then, God will bring it back to mind. And, oh, yeah, I've got to do this now, haven't I? I've got to rise up again and press forward. I don't know about you, but in big decisions, usually I, I get, get a list of the pros and cons. Do you do that? For and against. Um, and if the against is too long and too hard, then usually I'll go, for, you know, go the other way. But the list for, for Joshua, I mean, for... A promised land, um, home to settle in, and no manner. Uh, it's a fairly big list. It's a good list. The against, though, is a lot longer. I mean, seriously. Firstly, against is my servant Moses is dead. That's the against bit because there are certain people in life you don't want to follow. And Moses is one of them. Seriously, as a church leader, you do not want to follow Moses, okay? This is the miracle worker, the servant of God, the defeater of Egypt, um, the friend of God, the deliverer of the Ten Commandments. He was so spiritual, his face shone all the time. And then it says these words, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, you, Joshua, assistant, admin. <laughs> 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 
you know, underling. We'll give a go with you then, shall we? <laughs> and there's certain people who don't follow. I was saying in the first service uh, that, that uh, I, I've got a rule in life, never follow a black African preacher. Okay, you are seriously in trouble if you ever follow a black African preacher. I preached in, in one of our large black African churches a few years ago now. And, and to be honest, I'd kind of learned how to do it. There's a way of doing it. Um, they're Nigerian mainly, so there's a way to do Nigerians. And, uh, and it, was, it was actually, to be honest, I was doing quite well. There's a rhythm you have to get into. And then if you pose questions, they answer you back. And so you get this, and, and fantastic. And then sometimes just during the sermon, three or four people just stand up and clap and uh, just feel free. Do that whenever you want. Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and it, it's quite, you know, it's really encouraging, actually. When they, start, when they start praying, help him, Jesus, then you realize you're in trouble. Um, and so you've got you to up your game a bit. And I was doing seriously well. And I got it, built it to the crescendo. Awesome. And they clapped and it was fantastic. And I sat down and the, the pastor just stood up and made his way so slowly to the pulpit. He takes a deep breath. Jesus. The place erupts. The place goes from, you know, level five to level 15 in one moment. All he said is, I've worked hard for 45 minutes, okay? All he has said is the word Jesus. The place just goes bonkers. Never follow a black African preacher. Never follow Moses. But it gets worse. Moses, the servant of God, the friend of God, the miracle worker, he couldn't do it. I mean, it's getting worse here. He, he can't do it. How the heck am I going to do this? I don't want to follow him anyway, but he couldn't do this. He couldn't take them into the promised land. And then it says, and all these people, you're going to take all these, all these people. I mean, the first generation were pretty grumpy, but we don't know what the second generation is going to be like because they've not been tested yet. And you can say, all oh, the new generation arose and they were different. We don't know yet. They could be worse. So you got, you got, you're following Moses. He didn't do it. you got a bunch of people you really don't want to lead. And there's, there's still giants over there. And they've had 40 years to prepare for you. <laughs> it's getting worse. And what, is, what does 40 years of failure do to people? You know? What does 40 years of failure do? Um, what does 40 years of ingrained habits of disobedience do to you? It's hard to imagine a new day, isn't it, when you've had 40 years of that. But here they are on the banks of the River Jordan again, and Joshua has a decision to make. Go forward or stay as you are. Step out or stand still. Stay in the same place or step forward. The Bible is actually full of this journeying with God from Abraham, you know, I'm going to take you to a new land, a promised land. It's going to even be better. I mean, it's great here. You're doing well here. But I tell you, I've got something more for you. And Abraham goes, well, fantastic. Where is it? I'll let you know when, when we get there. What's it going to be like? Oh, it's wonderful. Milk and honey coming out of everything. Is there a photograph? No, there's no photographs. David seeing Goliath. That's the decision to make, isn't it? Nehemiah looking at the walls of Jerusalem, that's a decision to make. Esther, she had to make a decision with her very life. 
What about Simon and Andrew and on the banks of the, of, of the Galilee? And, and they've been fishermen. Of course, they're fishermen because their fathers were fishermen. Their grandfathers were fishermen. Their children will be fishermen and their great-grandchildren will be fishermen because that's what you did. There was no movement in Galilee. There was no, there was no career structure to move through. There was no HR department to get your points to go to the next stage. You were a fisherman, stuck, stuck, congealed in Galilee. And this bloke says, come follow me. And suddenly a new life is, is unearthed, yeah? I, I don't know how you get from a fisherman in Galilee to a bloke in Rome now who sits on a throne that's named after you. That's a big jump, to be honest, isn't it? In terms of career structure. <laughs> what about Bartimaeus shouting out? He had a choice to make. Would he stay within his blindness or would he move on? I've got a friend of mine, she's um, been very seriously, seriously ill for the last uh, six, seven, eight years and she's gone down and down and down. And suddenly this summer, she started to get better. Just stunning. Absolutely, just getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And out of nowhere, and we don't, I mean, the amount of prayer has gone into this young lady. But it's interesting, her, her dad was saying to me, it's quite hard now because she's got to readjust. She wasn't, she's no longer sick as she was. Now, on the face of it, that's quite nice, but there's quite a massive readjustment to make. Journeys are massive readjustments, even when they're very positive journeys. You know, it's all about change, isn't it? You know, I love, I love change for other people. I seriously love change. <laughs> Don't we? Do I want to change? <laughs> I preach change for other people. It's really, and I really encourage you to change. <laughs> what about the woman reaching out to touch the cloak of Jesus after 12 long years? 12 long years. What about Peter in the boat walking on water? My goodness. I mean, that's a step of faith, Yeah. That's, a, that's one big step of faith, literally a step of faith. What about Jesus in the garden? A liminal moment. Take this cup away from me, but not my will, yours. I think from time to time we all come to the banks of the river, moments of opportunity, change, imagination. Moments of a new day are presented before us. In fact, a very strong theme in the Bible, new day. I'm coming to bring a new day. And we love it, but actually new days do challenge us and they bring us into change and so on. Perhaps we're always on the bank of the river, actually. Perhaps we've got a decision today. We're always on the bank of the river, maybe just small decisions to make, in love or not. As that driver cuts you up, you've got a decision to make. You've got a decision to make whether to love somebody or listen to somebody. You've got a decision to make whether to be patient or kind in your family this afternoon. And the Pope calls uh, the family the school of love. How, how Are you passing school at the moment? Oh, my goodness. It's school of love. It's not easy because there's, there's often reasons why you don't want to move ahead, isn't there? You know, the, the river could be about relationships. My goodness, that's a hard one, isn't it? To move ahead in relationships when everything else seems so against it, where you've been hurt so deeply, how do you trust again? Really hard, that. A friend of mine, he fell in love with a girl and uh, just besotted with her. And, and it was never reciprocated. And in the end, she kind of found somebody else and got married. And he stayed stuck for... 15 years after that. It's hard, isn't it? Not making a judgment on it. I'm just thinking how hard that is. Because you get stuck. I've talked before about my dad and our relationships. It was just awful, awful. And then God, you know, spoke to me and said, you've got to forgive him. I said, I don't want to forgive him. 
I don't never want to have anything to do with this man ever in my life again. And I've got to forgive him. And God and my wife ganged up against me. <laughs> which is a combination you do not want to be against. <laughs> and God changed it around and grew me from hating him to loving him, from never wanting to see him again to wishing I saw him again and leading him to faith for the last words on his lips. What about trusting God? What about past failure? That's a hard one, isn't it? You know, you fail. Have you ever failed really badly? Yeah. I think everyone should fail. I think everyone should get sacked once in their life. <laughs> no, I do. I think it's good for your humanity. You know, we had a mission enterprise, which I won't go into because it will scare the life out of you. And it really failed badly. I mean, publicly. A lot of money. I mean, I'm not even going to mention how much money it is. I still twitch. <laughs> Took me three years to recover from that. I mean, I was doing the stuff, but actually, people come with mission ideas, and I go, well, perhaps not, perhaps not at the moment. <laughs> you failed, you see. Um, what about trusting God with your finances? That's a tough one, isn't it? That's a bridge. Gosh, that's a liminal moment, isn't it? When God says... Uh, you know, I'll, you know I'll, uh, I'm in charge. Well, obviously he's in charge, but obviously not too much. <laughs> um, and God called us to step down from uh, the leadership of our church. And I said, Lord, what do you want me to do next? And he said, oh, when I'm ready, I'll tell you. I said, well, well, um, well obviously I'll stay here until you tell me. <laughs> and he said, no, no, no. It's called faith. Oh, pig. Um, <laughs> That's crossing over. That, for me, was crossing over. Literally crossing. I didn't know, I didn't know where I was going to live. I didn't know where my family was going to live. And then God just came. Just, just came. Um, I trust God for housing now and finance in a way in which I'd never done before because I went forward in something. God moved me forward in something. Um, what, about, what about, I don't know what it is for you, whether it's disappointments or trusting again or changing your attitude, whether it's in the workplace or the family or neighbourhood or even in your city, actually. Moving towards your city, not just keeping yourself in yourself and your church in your church, but actually getting your head up and looking out to say there is a city here to love. There is a city here to save. There is a city here to, to bring the love and grace and, and the salvation of our God. The children of this city, if any of them are suffering, that's your responsibility, brothers and sisters. Do you understand that? That's your responsibility. When, uh, when Stoke in our country was declared the worst place to live, the leaders came together in repentance because they said on our watch, our city was declared the worst place to live. They didn't blame the council. They didn't blame the government. They could have done. They should have done. But they didn't. They said on our spiritual watch, our city was declared the worst place to live. That's our responsibility. This is our place. So if there are kids in need, I don't live here, they're your responsibility. The trouble is I've got Greater Manchester, which is three million people. They're my responsibility, you see. If there are women being abused tonight, today, they're your responsibility. If there are children to be educated, they're your responsibility. Do you see? That's the, that's the movement. The movement never gets smaller with God. You know, you don't go for a little country walk and a little... It's a big movement. God always moves you and lifts your head up. Do you ever think you kind of got life sorted and then suddenly he goes, no, it's bigger than that. 
It's bigger than that. Because the cross of Christ has a large, large effect upon this world. Abraham Kuyper says, there's not one square inch over the whole of human existence which Christ does not declare mine. I will have it all. I will have you, I will have your family, I will have your children and your grandchildren, and I will have your friends and I will have your church, by the way. Not always possessed by God churches. <laughs> and I will have your schools and I will have your prisons and I will have your roads and I have your businesses because it's mine. That's the big picture that we're called to. That's, that's the journey. That's the journey. So whatever it is, whatever you're struggling with. Now, the beautiful thing about the graciousness of God is that he also says some other words. He doesn't just say, get up and go. He says, now, get up and go. But as we take a small step forward, he takes a big step towards us. And he says, the land is yours, by the way. The land is yours. You put your foot down, it's yours. It's a gift. Every place where you put your foot. People will follow you, he says. These people will follow you. Are you sure? They didn't follow him. <laughs> These people will follow you. That's a promise. You will be prosperous. I, the God of the universe, will be with you. No one will stand up against you all the days of your life. No one will stand up against you. It's a bit of a pep talk here, isn't it? It's like, like half time and you're three nil down. And <laughs> my, my beloved Manchester United. Um, <laughs> four nil, we're three nil down against Tottenham, wasn't it? I think. Four nil against Tottenham. <laughs> Sir Alex Ferguson comes in and says, What's the pep talk when you're 4-0 down at halftime? Comes in. <laughs> Jesus. <yeah. laughs> he should have said Jesus. What he said was, guys, it's Tottenham. <laughs> what do they win? 5-4, 6-4? Yeah, they kind of thought, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's the pep talk. Be strong. Will the water part? Will the land change? Will it work out? Will God provide? These are the questions, aren't they? These are the questions when you're at this point, by the way. You've got, all, you've, got all, you've got this list of things against. You've got this list of things for. And then you've got this list of promises. And now it all comes down to you personally. What are you going to do? Because you're not a robot. And he hasn't pre-programmed you to do this. And he says, what are you going to do? That's the scary bit, isn't it? That's the faith bit. That's free will. What do you do? Moses never did it. The people never followed. We are failures. It's too big a challenge. I can't change. I'm very scared. Will God show up? Will God show up? I used to think the steps of faith would be clouded in peace and joy and, and angels playing harps and Go this way. <laughs> I've never been so scared in my life. When you take a step of I've never been so scared in my life. I continue to be scared. That's just the coward I am. Faith is risk, you see, it's spelled R-A-S-K, risk. Because you don't know, you haven't, you're in the liminal space and you haven't gone to where you're going to go yet. And you've got to make a decision, you see. What are you going to decide? The word comes, be strong and courageous. Do not be discouraged. Do not. Why does he keep saying it to Joshua? 
Why does he keep saying it to Joshua? He doesn't say it once. He says it several times. Be courageous, be strong, do not be discouraged, do not be afraid. He says it because Joshua is quaking at the banks of the river. Thinking, oh God, if you don't show up, I'm really in trouble. I mean, literally, he's got to put his foot down and the water's got to part. That either works or it doesn't work. There's no halfway. Well, it's down a bit. No, it either goes or it doesn't go. May I have the courage today to live the life that I would love, to postpone my dream no longer, and do at last what I came here for, and waste my heart on fear no more. Do you want to look back and think, gosh, that was a waste of life? Do you really want to, this is a question to me, I'm preaching to myself here, do I really want to look back and think, I didn't choose life? For whatever reason, for whatever reason, and the reasons can be huge. But I still, I chose to be static and I chose to stay put and I chose not to move. And you live life with regret then, don't you? Brothers and sisters, do not live life with regret. Do not get to the end of your life with a list of regrets. Get to your end of your life with a list of adventures that scared the life out of you. I'm inspired by people I know who step forward. One lady who I know very dearly, she just wrote a letter actually, that's all she did. That's all she had to do was write a letter. But it was to her father who was in jail because he'd sexually abused her and her sister since the age of two to the age of 15. And she wrote a letter. And she said, Dad, I forgive you. By the way, he's in jail because of her testimony. That's, that's a big thing to do, isn't it? That's a, that's, that's a movement. Um, my mate Dave in Salford, uh, who's been here to Newcastle actually, when, you know, God he grew up in Salford, which is one of, at the time, was a horrendous place, awful place. And uh, his, his father refused to, to leave because every Christian leader left the city. There was no church, one church over 100, no church over 100 in the city. 270,000 people here. Crime is rife. Education is dreadful. And he goes to Bible college and he's lived in poverty, really. And uh, their front door was, uh, was reinforced steel because of the bricks. Um, and he goes to Bible college and says, Lord, I will serve you anywhere in the world <laughs> except. <laughs> um, and he goes back, of course. Not always the case. Never say except. <laughs> Never. Just don't ever use that word with God, all right? Try and fool him. <laughs> and the rest is history because he just prayed and prayed and got a word. And, and then God just built this incredible thing around the city, amazing. Second largest church now, outside London. Guess where it is? Salford. Several churches in the hundreds now. Education is one of the best in the north of England. Um, crime is down. It's hard to buy a house. He bought a house for 27,000 pounds. Within three years, it dropped to 3,000 pounds. You can buy that same house now for about 300,000 pounds. Um, because he didn't move, he stayed, he did what God called him to do. We've got a mate called Peter who tried to understand what it meant to live in, a, in apartheid for a black person, he's a white person. How, what does it really mean to live in apartheid? And he didn't know, of course. So he, he moved his family to a township outside Durban. Only white family in the township. That's a movement, isn't it? Uh, these verses were actually given to me. They, they've been the verses over our lives um, for 40 plus years. 
Um, they constantly, you know, when God gives you a verse over your life, it just comes back. You don't stay in it all the time and sometimes you forget about it and, and then suddenly it comes back and, and God's reminding you. These verses were like a sat-nav to us over our lives, certainly for my wife. Um, uh, you know, for the, the forgiveness she had to give to other people was considerable at times and she was able to do that. Um, she had an ability to love everyone she came across. Um, just... And it didn't matter whether you were sitting with a multimillionaire Dallas person or you were sitting with the poorest of the poor. She just, she kind of, this, these verses, you know, enabled her to love and to keep moving. Because love is about taking a step towards somebody, isn't it? That's what it is. That's all it is. Not taking a step back or not standing aloof, but actually taking a step towards somebody and saying, regardless of what you're doing to me, I'm going to take a step towards you um, as much as I can. That may not be reciprocated. You do what you can do. Um, and this side of heaven, some relationships are so complex, but in heaven they'll get sorted. Um, because at the cross, we'll all get sorted, won't we? She sought to transform the city, our city, with through the arts, um, to take the land nobody else had taken. You see, our, our art gallery, quite a famous art gallery in, in the country, had uh, basically was welcome to any art except Christian art or Christians. <laughs> um, I don't know if you had this kind of thing in your country, um, but... Uh, very interesting. By the way, they, they also held some of the highest concentration of Christian art in, in the country as well. You know, um, Jesus knocking at the door, um, let me in. That's then that art gallery. And she just thought, God, no. And so she sat there with the curator of the whole gallery for an hour and a half, and she put her through it, seriously. Because she put her foot down, and she said, I'm going to give it a go. What's the worst that can happen? They opened the door, and whole story to do with that. These challenges, these verses have challenged us and supported us and guarded us and guided us for many years. In the five years, uh, the previous five years that she's lived with an unwanted house guest called Cancer, she continued to live with um, the courage and the bravery from these verses. She refused to take a back step, but she, re she always would take a forward step. The amount of people that she was ministering to who were going through chemo on a WhatsApp group, um, uh, was astounding um, and she refused to kind of shut down because I mean that, in the face of that it's horrible if those of you ever been through it or know somebody's been through it it is a brutal brutal treatment and when you have several of those over five years it's personally I would have given up <laughs> but these verses were to her every place where you put your foot I'll give you the land in her last day in hospital uh, before um, she had a kidney um, begin to pack up and uh, there was a staff nurse on the ward who it was a bit one of these old time staff nurses very efficient but not much relationship you know you know it's slightly scary but my wife, my wife Leslie saw this as a, as a challenge because <laughs> every place where you put your foot I would give you the land and she thought I'm going to get a smile out of this woman <laughs> I go to collect her after a week and I take the uh, the wheelchair because she can't walk and uh, and I go to, to go into the ward the staff nurse is sitting on her bed crying her eyes out because Leslie's just pressed something in her. And then she's praying with her. Uh, she passed away about eight weeks ago now. Um, two days later, one of our African friends, a good, very close friend of mine, came to see me. And he said, Roger said, I've got a, I've got a Bible verse for you. And, um, but it's really inappropriate because it's not from Psalm 23 and it's not from Romans 8 because um, there are standard ones you go to as a minister, by the way. Um, he said, I'm, I'm a bit scared to give it. And I said, you just, Tanny, you just give it. Um, 
And he read me Joshua chapter one. Every place you put your foot, I will give you the land. You keep moving, don't you? I mean, sorry, I'm going to grieve and I'm going to recover, but, and I'll continue to grieve for the rest of my life, but that's not what this is about. This is about moving forward as best you can. And even if you move forward with a hobble and a limp, yeah? Um, for, for many years, uh, my wife focused on Jacob and the wrestling angel, you know? Um, I will not give, I will not let you go until you bless me. And that fight. And there's a beautiful um, sculpture by um, Epstein in the National Gallery where the angel's massive stone and, uh, and he's, he's picking up Jacob, picking him up and his feet are off the ground. Um, and the, and the angel's staring right at him and, and, and Jacob's face is slightly to the side. And God said, I want you, I want you face to face. I want you eyeball to eyeball. You will not turn your face from me. And sometimes suffering does that, actually. It causes you to face God with all your questions and your anger and everything in you and all everything like that. God will face you. Do not be afraid of that. Joshua had his moment where he had to face God here. This could have gone badly wrong. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, we have to keep moving. We have to set our hearts on pilgrimage. Uh, we have a God to love and a city to, to take care of. Let's pray together. If you're able to, perhaps we could stand. and You may just want to hold out your hands as a, as a sign of um, you know, relinquishment again to God. And some of you to do that, you know, you're, you're saying to God, look, um, you know, this is where I am. You know my story. You know the reasons why I shouldn't move forward here. But give me the grace. Speak those words. Be courageous. Be strong. Tell me that you're going to be with me. And for others of you, just physically, you, you just need to actually step forward. Um, you literally need to step forward. You may want to, if you've got room to step forward, you know, where you are, um, just take a step. You may want to just come forward and just stand and Sometimes physically to do something that is spiritually happening inside you is a very powerful thing. But whatever works for you, um, and this is your moment with God, we, we ask, oh, Father, that you would grant us the grace again to respond to you, to hear your words of promise that you will be with us, your words of challenge for us to be strong and courageous. I will be with you wherever you go. Do not be discouraged. Father, I just speak to those who are just discouraged, you know, just taken hit after hit after hit. May you fill them again with courage, I pray. <laughs> May we have the ability just to just take a step forward, that's all. May not, may not feel as though we're doing much, but Lord, we just make ourselves available and we step forward. Every place where you put your foot, I'll give you the land. And brothers and sisters, I think he's giving some land to you today. I really do. There's some land in relationships he's giving you. You thought that so that land was pretty dead, but I just sense um, God wants to do a new thing. And for those of you who have just been living in, you know, with the weight of failure, it's horrible failure, God would lift up your head again and say, this is a new day, a new beginning. Come with me, follow me. And everything within you doesn't want to do that. But God says, follow me, follow me into the newness, into this adventure. Don't regret. 
Don't look back and regret that somehow you didn't move forward. And sometimes as you move forward, you have to leave things behind. Faith is lived in the windscreen, looking out the windscreen, not in the rearview mirror. Don't spend your life looking in the rearview mirror. If Joshua looked in the rearview mirror, he would never have moved forward. But he looked through the windscreen and he said, we're going forward. So may God's grace be on us. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to our Sunday podcast. If you enjoyed it, either subscribe or follow on the podcast app that you use to keep up to date on when our next Sunday podcast gets released. Have a safe and blessed week.